الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد So just continuing um, with the last few points that Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahu Allah mentions about the benefits of remembrance You know in this uh, text itself he mentions some he goes into a lot of detail so I, you know we didn't cover a lot of those but he mentions at least 73 benefits of the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, that's a lot right there's obviously more um, that he doesn't mention but you know even the 73 that he mentioned if we were to spend time maybe from time to time just reviewing this and reminding ourselves what the benefits are it would help us stay motivated inshallah um, because yeah I mean for some people it, it is more of a responsibility than a pleasure and at the at your early stages and engaging in the dhikr, it's a it feels a little bit like a responsibility rather than uh, rather than a pleasure um, or something that you want to do um, so encourage yourself by reviewing some of these benefits and inshallah you'll be able to stay motivated okay so uh, I think last time we finished with that, that it serves as a f as a protection from uh, the fire of hell how they could act as like a barrier that's fortified and impenetrable so the next few ones okay uh, abundance in the remembrance of Allah and the dhikr of Allah is safety from hypocrisy aman minan nifaq for hypocrites are those who scarcely remember Allah and Allah Ta'ala says concerning them and they remember Allah but little so um so one of the benefits of, of engaging in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala is it helps you trace, stay true to yourself. Um, dhikr is an act of worship that is really between you and Allah. Like, it's hard for you to do it only in the public sphere. Yeah, if you attend gatherings of dhikr and that's the only time you ever remember Allah, or you come to the masjid, you know, and that's the only time where you're praying to Allah and you're engaging in Allah's remembrance, that's a different story. But by and large, the dhikr that we've been referring to for the last weekend or so, um, this is dhikr that a person kind of performs on their own when they're by themselves, when they're in isolation, seclusion, but at home in the masjid, and no one else is really watching them. So what it does is it protects from from uh, hypocrisy, nifaq, and that's one of the most common concerns that people have is that like, well, how do I know what I'm doing is um, is actually pleasing Allah, and I'm not doing it for the sake of other people? That's a real valid concern that you know every believer has. Uh, and the solution is, well, what am I doing when I'm by myself and what am I doing when I'm in public? If if I do as much as I do in public, I do by myself, um, then it's a sign that uh, it's like a sign against hypocrisy. But if I see that really the only time I'm actually engaged in some sort of worship is when other people are watching me, then yes, that's a sign of hypocrisy. So um, so he's saying here that dhikr of Allah Ta'ala in particular it is a safety from hypocrisy. For the hypocrites are those who scarcely remember Allah. Now, he's not just saying this based off of what I just told you. He's referencing the Qur'an. Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهِ uh, That the hypocrites are people, uh, we all know what a hypocrite is, right? Just generally speaking, not at the time of the Prophet, a hypocrite. Someone who, um, uh, almost like a two-face, right? They have two sides to them. Um, outwardly, they manifest Islam, and inwardly, uh, there's, there's nothing there. It's emptiness. So, in al-munafiqina yukhadi'oon Allah, that the munafiqin, the hypocrites, are those people that try to stand above Allah. Uh, but Allah Ta'ala is like over them. They think they have some sort of ownership or possession or you could say superiority over Allah. But Allah Ta'ala is, but Allah Ta'ala is actually the one who's watching and standing over them. Um, what was the next part? And when they stand for salah, uh, they stand without any earnestness. Like they stand empty. There's, their salah is just 
it's, there's, there's emptiness in their salah when they stand for salah. Yura'una nas They want people to see them when they're praying. Like that's the purpose of their worship, so that people can watch them. This is a sign of a hypocrite. And they don't remember Allah Ta'ala except just but a little bit. So one of the signs of hypocrisy is that you don't do the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. Right? So then you can apply this to your own life as well. Okay, so how active am I in my remembrance of Allah? If I'm not, then I'm equating myself or putting myself at a similar level as the munafiqeen, as a hypocrite. That's obviously very problematic. So uh, you can use it as a gauge. You can use it as an encouragement for yourself that, wow, subhanAllah, I don't want to be included amongst those people. Allah Ta'ala specifically said that the hypocrites are those people that don't remember Allah, or they do so but just but a bit. If I'm someone who just remembers Allah on occasion or when other people are around, or I like to come to the dhikr gatherings, I come to irtikaf, and, but really in my personal life there's no remembrance of Allah, then you know, that's a sign of hypocrisy. It's a sign of hypocrisy. Um, Kaab uh, said, Whoever abounds in the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala Most High is innocent of hypocrisy. And this is why Allah Ta'ala knows better. He, subhanahu wa ta'ala, ends the chapter of the hypocrites with the following words. So the chapter of the hypocrites in the Quran is Surah Al-Munafiqun. And toward the end of Surah Al-Munafiqun, Allah Ta'ala has the following verse, right? Ya la amalikum. What is the beginning? Uh, those of you who believe uh, Don't let your wealth or your children uh, Distract you from the remembrance of Allah Right? The hypocrites are people who are just They're, they're distracted from the remembrance of Allah um, and uh, uh, In general And Allah Ta'ala in this surah Is particularly addressing the believers In the surah about hypocrisy and hypocrites Allah Ta'ala is addressing the believers And saying don't let all of these things distract you And dhikrillah from the remembrance of Allah Meaning that look there's a lot of challenges In this world and there's a lot of attractions in this world There's music, there's cars, there's money There's family, there's you know Personalities, there's celebrities, there's relationships These are all distractions Against the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala Be very cautious of this because this Allah Ta'ala specifically mentions in the surah about munafiqun about the hypocrites even though he's addressing the believers those people who let these things distract them from the dhikr of Allah meaning those people that let the dunya and the real world uh, and the false vanities of this real world when I say real world I mean uh, this current world and the false vanities of this current world they let them distract them from the dhikr of Allah if you do so then those are the ones who are the losers right you're a loser <laughs> you're a loser this is what Allah Ta'ala says if you can let, if you let the dunya this world distract you from from my remembrance you're a loser right when we don't want that we don't we don't we don't want to be a loser you know when our friends call us a loser we feel bad right or when you know the high school uh, jocks team up and they call us a loser we feel bad right but well, what about when Allah calls you a loser like how should that make us feel this is caution against the temptations of those who neglected the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala and so fell into hypocrisy. Okay. So it protects against hypocrisy. Number two, the next one. Remembrance, dhikr, has a delight which no other practice can compare. And if the... Like a stick shift, I'm like moving this around. Remembrance has a delight with which no other practice can compare. And if the servant obtains nothing else in return than this delight, okay, let me, let me stop. He's saying, remember, dhikr has a delight which no other practice can compare. 
dhikr in and of itself, like I mentioned before, initially it feels like a responsibility, right? Look, I have to do 20 minutes of muraqabah, I gotta sit and do istighfar every morning, salawat every morning, every evening. And if I wanna do, in addition to that, if I wanna do more, then it's just a responsibility. And um, But, you know, once you get into it a little bit, uh, it actually becomes a, it becomes enjoyable, right? So, dhikr has a delight with which no other practice can compare. Even reciting Quran is, is like, the best form of dhikr is reciting, recitation of the Quran, nothing compares. You know, and uh, when you don't do it often, or when you don't do it, um, if you don't, if you're not comfortable with it, it almost feels like a responsibility. But eventually, it becomes a delight. So dhikr has a delight with which no other practice can compare. Nothing else will give you the same delight dhikr will. It won't be basketball on the on the court. It won't be surfing on your phone. It won't be anything, right? You won't be driving, you know, that bike. You don't get that pleasure as you do from dhikr. Um, and if the servant obtains nothing else in return than this delight and the bliss which reaches their heart, it would be enough. Right? Allah Ta'ala has created this beautiful um, opportunity to remember Him. And His remembrance is so delightful that if all you got from it was delight, happiness, not happiness, but delight and bliss, right? This feeling of comfort. Uh, Ibn al-Qayyim is saying even that's sufficient, right? The people that experienced dhikr of the past, like the the people of piety of the past, to them, like dhikr was like, uh, it was like their pastime, right? Their source of relaxation and entertainment. It was entertainment for them. They enjoyed doing it. This is what they would do. And even if he's saying that it, it, it can be such a pleasure that even if you did it simply for the sake of, I just want to, uh, you know, entertain myself right now, that's sufficient, right? Even if that's all you got from it, that's that's sufficient, Um then he says, the gatherings of remembrance, that meaning the people collect together for, this, for the remembrance of Allah, which is really what we're doing here today. The gatherings of for remembrance have been called the meadows of heaven. The gatherings for remembrance have been called the meadows of heaven, meaning like it's a piece of Jannah. The gatherings of, of like, and you can, you've experienced this yourself, right? I mean, we've locked ourselves into a masjid for the last two days. You know, some of us maybe are planning to lock ourselves in for another eight days until the Ramadan is done. And you would think that, like, you know, uh, any other, any external person would say, you're out of your mind. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, you can't use the bathroom that you're comfortable with. You're sharing a bathroom. You're, uh, you're having to wear the same clothes for, like, two days in a row. You have, no one of us have really showered. Um, you, you, more or less, uh, you, you can't really eat the food that you want to eat. In fact, you can't even eat for most of the time that you're here. Uh, you know, you're being woken up at times when you really just want to be left alone. I mean, an external person would look at this and say, oh, it sounds like torture. Um, you're going to torture yourself, and this is communal torture. Like this is so torture supported by the community and by the masajid. Like you know, this is what this is what any ordinary person would say, looking from the outside in. But then look at like I mean, if I was to ask any of you, do you feel like you're tortured? No. If anything, you'd say like, wow, this is like this is probably the best I've felt in a while, right? Why? Because these gatherings where Allah is remembered, it becomes like a piece of jannah. Like this is what happens in jannah. You're comfortable. Like I don't think anyone here today. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I mean, how many of you are like, oh, gosh, I'm so hungry right now, right? I mean, how many of you, I mean, have you thought about hunger? I don't know. I mean, maybe not, in the, maybe maybe toward the end of the day, but how many of you right now have thought about it? How many of you, you know, the second week of Ramadan, two and a half, at two two thirty in the afternoon felt hungry? Probably most of you. I mean, I don't know. I'm, personally, when I'm at work, two o'clock, two thirty, I'm seeing everybody, I'm like, man, I wish I could eat. But you're here, we're here in the masjid, and it's like not even a thought to us. We're like, I don't mind. I can wait a few more hours. Like, it's not really crossing my mind. Six, seven o'clock comes around. We're still, like, not hungry. To be honest, if our time comes around, and sometimes I'm like, why can't we just keep doing what we're doing? I mean, I'd, I'd be fine with probably dates and water. I mean, no one's like, rushing toward that food line, like way we, the way we rush toward food at home. Why is, all, why is it, right? It's because we're in this gathering of Allah's remembrance, 
And it's like the meadows of heaven. This is like a piece of Jannah. This is what Jannah will be like. We're like, you're not, you, you could just, you could just enjoy, be yourself and enjoy yourself. So, uh, so this is, this is very powerful. You've all experienced this now yourself. We've spent the last two days, not only have we been doing the dhikr of Allah through reciting Quran and through, uh, you, you know, sitting down in dhikr after Asr Salah and after Fajr sitting in dhikr. Not only is that, we're actually talking about how to remember Allah. Like that's, that's very unique. This in and of itself is a gathering of Allah's remembrance so that we can learn how to remember Allah. That's like compounded. So it only makes sense that like, yeah, this this almost feels, this is very comfortable. Like I, I kind of wish this wouldn't end, you know. Um, uh, so anyways, so he, so there's there's, different, there's a delight that comes personally when a person engages in dhikr. Like you just feel good about yourself and you can feel good about the experience. And then there's this delight that comes from coming to gatherings of dhikr as well. You know, this is why it's very important to attach yourselves to dhikr, gatherings of dhikr because they help you, when people get together to remember Allah, it helps you, it inspires you, it, it feels like uh, a piece of Jannah. And in fact, there was a, in the last retreat, the entire talk was on this because Ibn al-Qayyim is referencing Meadows of Heaven, he's referencing some, a point that he had mentioned in the past. Um, so you can catch up on that when we talked about the gatherings of Allah's remembrance and what it really means and the reward and the benefits that come from it. Okay, the next one. Arshido, continuing. Malik ibn Dinar said, uh, Malik ibn Dinar, you guys, you guys know who that is? Have you heard that name before? Um, he was a tabi'i. He died around 120 years after the Prophet passed away. Very famous, very famous tabi'i. Um, a lot of things are referenced to him. He was a student, you can say a disciple of uh, Hassan al-Basri. You've heard of Hassan al-Basri, you know, master of, of the spiritual sciences, a tabiri himself. He met the Sahaba, so did Malik ibn Dinar. So he was a student of Hassan al-Basri. And uh, he is the f- one, he's considered to be the first person to actually take Islam toward the subcontinent and actually propagate the deen there. In fact, he's buried there. That's that's our understanding. He's a tabiri that's buried there. At least that's, that's what people... Uh, have attributed that his masjid to. So he said, no delight can compare with the remembrance of Allah. Right? No delight can compare with the remembrance of Allah. There is no practice which is lighter and yet brings the heart greater pleasure or more happiness and joy. There is no practice which is lighter. Like, it's not physically stressful to do so. There's no strain involved in the dhikr of Allah. Maybe, yeah, maybe if you sit with your legs crossed and you're not used to it, your knees might hurt. Right, but you can you can sit in a chair. You don't have to do it. You know, you don't have to do it on the ground. You could do it while you're in the car driving. Like it's such an easy uh, act of worship. Uh, it's very light, right? It doesn't require much effort, physical effort for sure. It doesn't require at all, really, right? In fact, if your tongue is tired, which your tongue never gets tired, it's like you know the muscle that never tires, right? We've all witnessed this, unfortunately. Um, but the, the tongue never tires. But even if your tongue were to tire, you don't have to use your tongue to remember Allah. You can use your heart. Your heart never tires. Right? There's no like exertion of the, heart, of the spiritual heart. It doesn't ever get tired. In fact, physically the heart doesn't get tired. It just beats and beats and beats and beats and beats until you, for 70 years, just beating continuously. It's constantly moving. You know, you would think there'd be some fatigue involved. There isn't. The spiritual heart, same deal. It doesn't, it doesn't get tired. So he says, there is no practice which is lighter and yet brings the heart greater pleasure, right? And, and, and Allah Ta'ala says, right, uh, it brings this uh, this um, this itminan, uh, like like this this comfort, or more happiness and joy. Okay, the next one. We're almost done. We're going to wrap up with one or two points. Um, it adorns the face, the dhikr of Allah, it adorns the face with radiance in this world. 
and a light in the next. So that the invokers have more, invoking me, the people that do the of Allah and call on Allah, have more radiant faces than anyone else in this world. And will have the most illuminated face in the next world. Right? It adorns the face with radiance in this world and a light in the next. So that the one who invokes, calls on Allah, has more of a radiant face than anyone else in this world. Right? We've seen this with our own uh, uh, eyes, so to speak. It's not a physical radiance that emanates from a person's face. Your skin tone doesn't change, right? As much as maybe you want it to or someone wants it to. Your skin tone doesn't actually change. It looks the same. But when someone looks at you or you look at someone that's, uh, who's, 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 you know, very engaged in Allah's remembrance, there's like this illumination, this radiance that comes from their face. Sometimes they're physically very dark-skinned, but the nur, you can say, that comes from their face, you're like, whoa. You know, this happens to people that go to Hajj and they come back. Why? Because the Hajj is basically that person saying that for the next 14 days, I'm stuck in Allah's remembrance. And not only am I stuck in Allah's remembrance, I'm going to go to this gathering where two million people are all going to collectively remember Allah and then I'm going to come back. What happens, you see them and you're like, whoa, look at, look at your face. You know, sometimes, I don't know, maybe if you've ever done like a full i'tikaf and after you come home, you know, everyone's like, what happened to you? You look so different, right? Like there's this... There's this brightness about you, right? Because you spent 10 days dedicated to Allah's remembrance. It's real, right? It's not physical, it's metaphysical, but it's perceivable to even the human eye. Not just that, you know, I remember this one um, uh, person who he used to, uh, he, he told me that, you know, when he, he used to go to Irtikaf in Zambia, like that's where, you know, a few years ago, you know, I think a couple of us had gone. Uh, it's a very special gathering. And when he, when he would go and he'd come back, like his coworkers would look at him and be like, there's something very different about you. Like so much so that they became very interested in Dean simply because this person would come back from a very righteous gathering and they could see this difference on their face. He didn't say anything differently. He didn't give da'wah or open his mouth. Just that, that the face that he brought back, which, is, which was driven by the heart that was purified, has had such an effect on people at his workplace that you know they they were like what what is what 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 goes on there like what do you do right like well, this is this must be something very special because you know for for someone who doesn't believe like a non-muslim i mean uh they don't really get this experience right this radiance a concept of radiance from the face so anyways um so it's this is a reality it's perceivable for sure and so uh, and then he says, and it will, of course, be the most illuminated in the next world as well. And that's when we're looking for illumination, right? In, in the Akhirah. In this world, it's it's nice to have it. It encourages us. It, it motivates us. It drives us. But really, I mean, in the, in the hereafter is where we want our, our faces to shine. Um, okay, the next. I think this is the last point, actually. Um, continuance, continuous remembrance. Continuous remembrance on the road at home or in any domain increases the number of those who will bear witness to the servant on the day of judgment. For the land, the house, the mountains, and the earth itself will be among them. Right? Like, when you remember Allah Ta'ala, and I guess this is an appropriate um, ending, is that the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala doesn't just take place in these four walls or in the four walls of your home, or in the space on top of your, your musalla. Uh, in fact, not only does it not occur in this place, what Ibn Qayyim is saying is that 
take it outside of this place. Because the more you can have the world around you witness it, the more witnesses there will be for you on the Day of Judgment. But if you restrict your dhikr of Allah Ta'ala to just four walls, that's good. But only these four walls are going to testify. And the air in this space is going to testify. And the ground over here is going to testify. But on that Day of Judgment, when we need as much help and as much support as possible, the more witnesses, the better. The more people that are going to support you and come at your come to you, the better. The more, uh, uh, just like it is in anything, right? I mean, if you ever are, if if you're ever in trouble in this world, the more people that can defend you and sign petitions for you and uh, and 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 wit and come to you in court and, and support you and be a witness for you, the better off you'll be in that in that court. In the court of Allah Taala, we need as many witnesses as possible, and this is what he's saying that. Take, don't, don't, don't restrict it to, to the masjid. Don't restrict it to a particular area. Become a, a dhakir of Allah who remembers Allah Ta'ala everywhere you go. And don't let a single space on this earth be left behind. Let them all witness you know, what, you're, what you're doing. The trees will come and support you and say, no, no, yeah, Allah, the tree that you know, that's outside on, on 10 mile will say, I, I no no I, this person he was driving by and he was remembering Allah he was remembering you Yarab. you know I, I I saw it you know and the trees that are you know on 11 mile and 12 mile and 13 mile they're all gonna they're all gonna witness it if you do the dhikr of Allah Taala in your car and they're all gonna stand they, they don't have to hear you, you don't have to shout out the window like Subhanallah Alhamdulillah right there's a the, the trees don't have ears that you know that we have that need you know, where you need we need to hear it anything that passes by them it absorbs it. Right? The, he says, um, the land, right? the ground will testify. The more places where you remember Allah Ta'ala, uh, like a park, you know, the ocean, you know, these places where you remember Allah in, in the plane, where you're just sitting in the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. You know, sometimes you wonder, like, subhanAllah, you know, like, uh, driving, you do the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, and you're like, the ground is going to, is going to, um, uh, is going to be a witness for me, right? And sometimes I'm in a plane and I'm, I think like, subhanAllah, like, we're like, you know, 10,000 miles above the sky and we're able to sometimes praise Allah or remember Allah Ta'ala. This is like, this is a space that even the Sahaba couldn't reach so that they could worship Allah. Right? Like, like the Sahaba, they aren't even going to be able to witness for the Sahaba, but this space is going to be able to witness for like someone like me? Like what a blessing, right? And then I, I don't know if you if you ever go on a ship like the same type. I mean, ships were around at the time of the Sahaba. I don't know a submarine or some other like place that like you know that that wasn't feasible and only technology made it possible today. Like these things are going to testify. The air that's ten thousand feet in the sky is going to, the clouds that you're literally like in between can testify for you on the day of judgment. Whereas those clouds, no human being had the opportunity to reach clouds in the past. Right now, all of these things—the clouds can now testify. The air that's ten thousand feet uh, uh, in the sky can now testify for you. If you know now the the tr you know the trees, the ground. I mean, you could go underground in a mine, ten thousand feet. Go in a cave and engage in Allah's remembrance, and all of these things are going to testify for you. It's incredible. The land, the house, the mountains, and the earth itself will be among them. You know, before Allah Taala saying, no, 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 not this. Don't this person can't go to hell. You know. This person was, you know, continuously remembering you. 
I remember, I remember on this day at this time, you drove by, you know, the trees that are in front of your house, your house itself and the wood and the brick that it's made of. No, 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 this person, I remember this, this person, night and day, this person would be worshiping you, Ya Rab. This person would be thinking about you and actively remembering you. You know, don't, you can't, you can't send this person to hell. So he says, and this is the concluding statement, he says, uh, the one who remembers has many witnesses before Allah in every part of the land. Um, you know, this reminds me, when a person goes for Umrah or Hajj, one of the hadith the Prophet said that when a person engages, uh, or when a person recites the talbiyah, right? Labbaik Allahumma labbaik, labbaik la sharika laka labbaik. And when a person engages in the talbiyah, right? There's a hadith Prophet said that every stone and everything to the right of that person and everything to the left of that person begins to make dua for that person. You know, it's as if like you're walking now and everything to the right of you and left of you, you know, it, while you're in a state of ihram and you're shed of the talbi, all of those things are making dhikr for you or making dua for you. The rocks, the ground, the stones, right? So uh, this is the same, type of, the same type of notion. The one who remembers has many witnesses before Almighty Allah in every part of the land. It may be that they will come forward for him or her on the day of judgment and the day of witnessing. And the testimonies they give forth will bring him, bring us, happiness and joy. Right? Not only will can dhikr give you happiness and joy in this world, like you mentioned before, it's a delight. But those things that are witnessing your dhikr will be a source of happiness and joy for you in the, uh, in the akhirah as well. So, extend your dhikr. Right? Take it beyond these four walls. You know, the beauty of doing this program and learning about dhikr and talking about dhikr, doing it in the first two or three days of the last ten days of Ramadan is that now we all have, normally what happens is like we, we conclude and like in two hours is Maghrib Salah and Shaitan's out and then we're, and then that's it. <laughs> you know, we're like, he comes and attacks. But this is very unique, right? Now we've empowered ourselves. We've learned about this uh, in, in great detail. And now we have at least eight or nine days to fully immerse ourselves in it and fully make the most of the last, you know, eight, nine days of, of, of Ramadan and, and, and use it as a way to um, maybe unshackle ourselves from, from Jahannam and from, 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 from the fire of hell. Um, so these are the, I think, I think that's all. Um, yeah, so there's one more point, but we're going to, we're going to hold, we're going to hold on that, inshallah. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you and I the tawfiq to uh, be true, um, uh, worshippers of him. May he subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to, uh, benefit, uh, from, you know, all of the words and all the teachings that we've covered over the last week. And, uh, and may he subhanahu wa ta'ala reward Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, um, for compiling such a, such an incredible text so that we can reflect and learn upon it.